재미와 지식의 오디오 라이프 팝빵 Continuing our international news digest, uh, we turn to OPEC, where in a bit of a surprise development uh, this past Wednesday, uh, the uh, organization agreed to cut crude oil production by 1.2 million barrels a day, uh, trying to alleviate the current supply glut and rise, um, raise uh, global oil prices. Uh, there were some uh, setbacks uh, in the uh, discussions in the weeks leading up to this. Uh, Saudi officials were trying to convince Iraq and Iran to reduce their outputs. Um, they were obstinate that they would not do so. In the end, a compromise somewhat was reached, and that is indeed a bit of a surprise. So let's kind of take a look at the landscape, get an analysis on the situation, what it holds for the future of oil prices, and what that effect would have on the global economy. Very pleased to have joining us from Catholic University of Korea, uh, economics professor Yang jun Suk, Professor Yang, hello. Hi. Well, Professor Young, it's been a while since we talked. Uh, this is uh, one of the issues that we talked about in the lead up to it when they first signaled that they were going to uh, perhaps try to come up with some kind of a uh, supply uh, output cut. Uh, essentially, they did reach a decision, and this is a complicated one because each OPEC member produces uh, different uh, number of barrels a day. Uh, they have different other considerations in terms of who should cut output. Uh, what? Initially, what do you think about this agreement, and uh, who do you think came out ahead, and who do you think lost out? Okay, well, frankly, I uh, I did not expect this meeting to succeed, so I was a bit surprised by it, and the production cut was higher than what I would have thought. Uh, you mentioned that it was 1.2 million barrels per day. That's about 4.5% of OPEC output. So that uh, seems to be uh, substantial. Uh, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and UAE account for about 60% of those cuts, uh, but then they're the uh, biggest producers, so they're uh, bound to take the biggest of the cuts. Now, having said that, though, the global production of oil is about 96 million barrels per day. So even though from the OPEC's point of view, they cut output by 4.5%, from the point of view of global output, that's slightly over 1%. Hmm. Uh, so uh, you can argue that it's not that big a cut. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, the global oversupply of oil currently is only around 3 or 4%. So even a, a slight uh, cut, if this turns into, say, over-demand uh, instead of oversupply, uh, then uh, the price can conceivably just uh, jump very uh, quickly and very high. I don't foresee that, but you have to remember that oil uh, supply and demand is very inelastic, so uh, the uh, price change is bound to be very high if uh, this uh, change in supply leads to uh, over-demand rather than over-supply. One of the issues with this, Professor Yang, uh, uh, Iran, which, of course, uh, recently coming out of the shadow of sanctions and uh, for their personal interests, uh, would like to have as expansive a market uh, and, I suppose, sales volume, if you talk about how many barrels they can sell. Uh, they did not want to have a cut in their output. The Saudis did uh, demand that of them. Was this a game of chicken where essentially the Saudis just blinked and said, look, we, we, we have a fiscal crisis right now. Uh, we do have to just give way on this. 
Okay, well, I, I, it's somewhat of a game of chicken, but I think it was also part of political will. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, I forgot to mention some of the winners and losers earlier, uh, but I think Iran is going to be considered one of the winners because uh, they don't have to cut as much as uh, Saudi Arabia wanted them to in the past meetings. Uh, one of the problems had been that uh, the baseline that Saudi Arabia set was uh, right after when Iran get out, gotten out of the sanctions. So uh, Iran thought that their baseline for cutting was set uh, artificially low. Mm. Uh, so now, uh, while they do have to cut output in comparison to what, uh, what they produced in October, uh, compared to their baseline, uh, apparently they don't have to cut very much at all. In fact, they might even have uh, increased their uh, output a little compared to their uh, baseline. Uh, which, uh, so, uh, you can argue that Iran came out somewhat of a winner in this, but I think there was a big political consensus that they really need, OPEC really needed to get their act together. Uh, so there's been a lot of mention that uh, countries which have been very reluctant to, uh, get into these, uh, reduce their output, like Iraq, uh, decided to, uh, to accept the uh, cuts, and countries like Iran, uh, well, Apparently, Russia, President Putin, called up uh, Iran to try to convince them to accept uh, this compromise. So mm. uh, there was a lot of political will and political uh, IOUs being cashed here. You mentioned Russia the, and the fact that they are not a standing member of OPEC, uh, the concerns about will there be any backsliding or will countries like uh, Russia just take this as an opportunity to take advantage of uh, potentially rising prices and try to sell more oil or maybe even some OPEC members deciding to somewhat cheat or backslide on their quota cuts? Okay, well, traditionally, OPEC countries have always cheated. Uh, so I think some amount of cheating is expected at this point. Uh, and Saudi Arabia has always some accepted at least some cheating. Uh, now, I think the question now is how much of a cheat, how much of cheating will Saudi Arabia accept this time? And I suspect that there will, uh, be some cheating. Uh, but one of the more interesting things about this particular agreement is that they did decide, uh, they did agree to have some sort of monitoring. So I think uh, any excessive amount of cheating by OPEC members and even non-OPEC members who have agreed who have agreed to count this compromise or who will agree to some kind of compromise in the near future, uh, they will have uh, they will be allowed some. Uh, gray room to maneuver, but perhaps not too much. Uh, Russia, for example, uh, the Saudi Arabia wanted them to have 300,000 barrels of oil cut from their production. Uh, Russia apparently over the weekend said that they did not want to cut it at all. They just want to freeze their current output. But again, uh, after the weekend, uh, in the uh, call to Iran, uh, President Putin, I think, promised that they will cut 300,000 barrels of oil. So this is a very interesting development. It is indeed. Now, the conventional wisdom, Professor Yang, has been that the reason why the Saudis wanted to keep production high was essentially to kill uh, shale production in the U.S. They thought that was potentially a long-term existential threat. Uh, if prices are low enough, uh, it's not profitable enough for these shale producers to stay in business. They didn't totally drive them out. And so now the wonder is if uh, oil prices do rise, uh, does that put fracking back in business? 
somewhat. Uh, now, I think the uh, question about the shale oil and fracking was that, well, before uh, the uh, oil prices collapsed, they were saying that in order for shale oil business to survive, the uh, price of barrel per oil should be about $80 per barrel. Now, obviously, it went down a lot below that, but some shale oil fracking uh, production is apparently surviving, so it's becoming a, a lot hardier than a lot of people accept, ex, mm-hmm. uh, expected before the uh, uh, collapse of the price of oil. And a lot of the uh, oil-producing countries, uh, because they depend on oil prices for their oil revenue, for their government revenue, uh, just uh, couldn't survive uh, this uh, collapse in prices any longer, and that includes even Saudi Arabia, which has some of the right. lowest cost of production. Uh, so I think uh, they decided that they're going to live, uh, they're going to have to live with at least some uh, fracking uh, production, uh, but it'll have, we'll have to see how they compromise and how they deal with each other. Now, you mentioned the 3 to 4% oversupply. Uh, if it's cut uh, by 1% total, uh, we'll have to see what effect it'll have. What is your outlook? Are we looking, we're obviously not looking at uh, the heydays of $120 uh, per barrel, but uh, will, will they rise? Okay, well, yeah, they will rise. Uh, I've been reviewing some of the historical prices uh, recently. And, well, after 1970s, oil prices, if you take account of inflation, so you measure everything in t- uh, 2015 dollars, uh, the uh, price of oil has fluctuated around $60 per barrel, except in 1990s when it fluctuated around $40 per barrel. So historically, the normal seems to be around $60 per barrel, and I wouldn't be surprised if it uh, approached that once the global economy recovers. Uh, but since the uh, global economy is still sluggish, uh, I think $50, somewhere in the $50 okay. range, between $50 to uh, $60 uh, for the foreseeable future is not a bad estimate. All right. Well, uh, we will see how this developments. As always, Professor Young, uh, appreciate your analysis. I uh, hope to have you back in the studio once all this uh, big political mess is taken care of. And uh, have a good weekend yourself. Have a good weekend.